Welcome to Talk for 12, a podcast hosted by the women at Orange Evangelical Church. These 12-minute episodes teach from God's Word and encourage and equip women in their daily walk with Jesus. I'm Rochelle, and today we have the pleasure of hearing from Naomi about how she interacts with Jesus in her day-to-day life. Naomi is often found at the soccer fields or behind the scenes of our podcast, recording and editing. But today, we have her in front of the microphone to share a bit about what her experience has been like as a Christian member of the neurodivergent community. Welcome, Naomi. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your family? Sure. Our family is a wonderful neurodiverse bunch. Kempi and I just made it to 20 years of marriage. We have three living kids, Mark, Beck and Ellie, who are all neurodiverse. And this year is the only year I can say they are all in high school. I'm here as a person who is neurodiverse, has kids living it, and wants to get people thinking about how to church well and encourage us. But what I say is based on my experience, so it may not match yours. It is also one of my favorite topics, so if you want to know more, all you have to do is ask me. Before we dive into this topic, I'd like to mention that everyone who is neurodivergent is unique, and whilst there are traits that we share, what we experience is individual. Thank you for helpfully pointing that out for us, Naomi. For those of us who may have little experience of the terms neurodiverse and neurodivergent, can you share with us what it means to be neurodivergent, generally speaking, of course? Yeah. So the simplest way I can describe neurodivergence is that the brain is wired differently. This comes with some really cool and unique gifts and blessings, but also with some major challenges. Generally, neurodivergence includes ADHD and autism, but it also includes sensory processing and other differences. There are physical differences in how our brains are wired and chemically work, which is seen in behavioral differences. Can you share with us how and when you were diagnosed? So I was diagnosed with ADHD in the mid-1980s when I was two. This is quite young and wouldn't happen now until you're older. Later, while getting my kids' assistance and also personally starting medication, it became clear I was also autistic. Now, knowing my diagnosis has really helped me to understand the way my brain works and helped me to understand why I find some things so difficult or impossible, no matter how much I try. In the 80s and 90s, it wasn't something people wanted. In fact, the public saw it as a massive negative. So my family knew and assisted, but it was hidden from the school and other people in general. The medications back then weren't as good as now, so the specialist recommended that my parents don't medicate me and instead manage my ADHD with a special diet. Given the massive difference the food made, they went with that. They were also told that I would grow out of the ADHD, which is absolutely not the case. They also got other behavioural strategies to help as well. I look back on my life and often wish people knew better, but the truth is... No one really knew a lot about ADHD or autism, especially the different presentations of them. That sounds like it would have been tough for you, Naomi. It is so true that sadly there was, and unfortunately still may be, stigma around these diagnoses. How did being a Christian make a difference? Well, I have never known a day where I didn't know that God loved me, which is an incredible gift from God, and I'll always be thankful for that. For some, being neurodiverse is their identity, 
but I know that's not what defines me. Instead, my identity is in Christ. I am first and foremost a loved child of God who was saved by Jesus dying for me. All other things about me are the next level of identity. They're not my core. So I don't know whether I would have known this as a strong if I wasn't me, but being different all my life made me consider identity, who I am, very deeply, and this is where I landed. A big benefit of my brain is that I don't wonder whether God really works for my best interests and whether Jesus really did die for me. I know these things to be true. This means that I've also got a permanent determination to serve God with my life. I also see very clearly that no matter what a person's life looks like, the most important thing they need is Jesus. All else can be addressed after accepting his ruler over their lives. It sounds like being a Christian has been a blessing in so many ways. Can you describe some of what neurodiversity looks like in you? Sure, I'd love to. So being neurodiverse poses challenges in every part of life. We feel different and not like everyone else, and that's because we are. One part of ADHD means that our brains don't get the same dopamine as others from the same stimulus. So brains need dopamine for regulating emotions, and it's also where pleasure and reward comes from. Therefore, I constantly have to find ways to make things interesting, and I crave novelty. ADHD brains don't filter out irrelevant stimuli. Instead of our brains going, that's not important, so tune those things out, we have to consciously filter everything. This means that in a room, unless there's enough background noise, we might hear everything, even noises that others can't hear. This, for example, makes multiple groups in a room extremely difficult. I also hate eye contact, have challenges understanding what people mean when they aren't direct, unless I know them well. I have strong aversions to bright lights and many other sensory needs. I can mask many of the symptoms and challenges of my neurodiversity, but that also comes with a huge cost. Both physically, since it's physically painful in my body to do so, but also mentally. Mental health challenges occur for many who are neurodivergent, including me, and especially happen when we're hiding to please others or annoyed that we don't live up to our own expectations. Mm. Thank you for sharing those struggles with us. Whilst I don't completely understand the challenges you face, I do think many of us can relate to other people's expectations being a difficulty. To help us better understand, Can you share with us more about how your neurodiversity impacts your walk with Jesus? The positive start with my understanding of identity that I mentioned earlier. A big impact comes from my two intense drives for novelty and for links between ideas. I love reading widely in the Bible to see how it links together, where the themes and ideas complement or make you wonder if they're not compatible. I love delving deep into passages and I'm not content with surface explanations. However, I also have a severe aversion to repetition. This changes how I prepare for studies or kids' talks. To allow myself to read a passage many times, I have to constantly find novelty within the task or ways to gamify it. I personally have been encouraged and amazed by your ability to make different connections while studying the Bible in Growth Group. So thank you, Naomi. How does your neurodiversity impact how you relate with other Christians? We have a rule in our house that you can do whatever it takes to help you concentrate as long as it doesn't distract others. Now, something will always distract someone, but minimizing the negatives to others is our goal. 
I do find it rather difficult when, despite adhering to this rule, people assume that I'm not listening, particularly in church, if I'm doing something else. But the truth is, for my brain, it distracts itself. So unless I do something to utilize part of my brain, my brain starts thinking about other things like the patterns around the room or what I have to do later or why someone said something. The last podcast series reminded me that many of the big challenges and hardships in my life have happened partially to soften my black and white nature and help me better respond in love when others are experiencing challenges. Likewise, hearing one friend talk about how they came at the end of a challenge, which is similar to the one that I'm in the middle of, gives me endurance and hope that God won't necessarily take it away, but will bring me through mine too. It is wonderful how as sisters in Christ, we can encourage one another to persevere as we walk with God. Can you tell us a bit about what it has been like being a mother of neurodiverse children? It's both a challenge and a joy. The love that they have and the way they care for each other is something that I would never want to change. I've even found more acceptance of myself and a lessening of my own mass as a result of raising my kids and meeting others like us. Our kids are incredible individuals. Our house is never boring. However, getting assistance for kids who have been learning from tiny how to compensate for some of their challenges, whilst also having a huge personal need to hide their differences from the world and having extremely high expectations of themselves, has been exhausting. It's also been very costly in time, money and emotions. In our house, we're aiming for equality, but not sameness. We want to raise them with the same access to opportunities that will help them thrive, but that isn't the same for everyone. Has factoring all of those things in changed how you and Kempi have raised the kids to love and know Jesus? Yes, an example of this is Bible reading, getting all of us together with time and ability to read the Bible together is near impossible. So instead, when they were little, we read at night, often individually or in pairs. And now that they're older, they're responsible for their own Bible reading. Having said that, we discuss God and theology and how we apply it in our house in less formal ways all the time. Just like any kid, we've brought them up to live out their faiths and to serve God and others. An important difference another mum reminded me of is that neurodiverse kids are exceptionally sensitive. So especially when we're talking about sin and how we can't be good enough for God, we need to balance that very carefully with grace. Our kids hear about sin and they don't always hear the grace and love of God in us. Their lives are full of letting people down and getting correction. So an emphasis on grace, unconditional love and forgiveness is so vital. We spend lots of time reminding each of our kids that there's nothing they can do to stop us loving them, just like God loves us. What a great reminder for us all. Any tips or advice on how we, as the body of Christ, can love and care for those who are neurodiverse? Well, firstly, there are many who accept me for who I am, and I thank God for them. Learning more about the sensory and other challenges of those people you're meeting with at church, especially those you spend lots of time with, would be very helpful. In the show notes, there's an article that's a basic introduction into sensory challenges and what we as a church can do to help. I'll add some other useful information there too. 
If you see someone acting unusual, like if I'm running laps or jumping to wake up my body so I can pay attention, or if there's someone lying down or standing at the back of church or they're wearing earplugs, etc., don't try and stop them. If it's dangerous to others, like if I was running laps inside while others are in there, helpfully suggest an alternative, like going outside. But in all honesty, the biggest help is acceptance and love. Asking us what would help us at church is the best thing. Thank you for being a unique and key part of the body of Christ at OEC. I've really enjoyed hearing more from you, and I hope our listeners have also found it helpful as we seek to understand how your walk with Jesus may look slightly different to our own. Any last words for our listeners? God is an amazing God who is creative and makes us all unique. Now, there's a higher percentage of us at OAC than you would expect in the general population, so you know some of us, whether we've told you or not. We need to love each other in that, and caring for the neurodiverse is one part. Amen to that, Naomi. In our final episode of Women Interacting with Jesus this year, we will be hearing from another part of the body, two of our teen women, Mackenzie and Hannah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Talk for Twelve. For the show notes and resources of this episode, or to email us, visit the podcast website at oechurch.org.au forward slash talk for 12. That's the number 12 in numerals 1, 2. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us next time.